Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Stay Grounded podcast, a podcasting community helping you stay grounded through real conversations with real people about real things. I am your host, Natalie Q, and please help me welcome our next guest, Adeline. She is a New York City-based branding and product photographer for large and small businesses. She is also a business coach for creatives and a self-love coach for sensitive women. In working together, Adeline can help you share your story and show up as the best, truest version of yourself. So everyone, please help me welcome Adeline. Hello, Adeline. How are you? Welcome to the Stay Grounded podcast. I'm so excited to have you here with us for this incredible episode. Before we get started, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Yeah, especially since the sun is out, is back out in New York City. (laughs) How are you feeling? I'm here in Atlanta. It is actually quite chilly down here, so I am hoping for some sun this week. But just so everybody could get a gist of it, we will be talking about staying grounded through entrepreneurship. I very much feel like you are so perfect for this topic, (laughs) especially because you transitioned careers, which we will get into through this episode. But before we get started, I would love for you to tell the audience, who's Adeline, tell us a little bit about you, who you are and what you do. I'll let you take the lead. Yeah, thank you. Thank you again for having me on here. I'm so excited to chat more. So yeah, my name is Adeline. I'm currently a brand and product photographer as well as a self-love and business coach. Previously, for the majority of my career, I was a middle school teacher. But you could easily say that I've always been multi-passionate. Like, for example, even growing up, my favorite subjects were always English and math, which seemed very, very different. And I feel like I had my, you know, like my friends who loved English and then I had my friends who loved math and there wasn't really an overlap. So I've definitely always identified as being multi-passionate and just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I think that's definitely what led me to my career transition, which I know we'll get into. Absolutely. Thank you so much for filling us in and telling us a little bit about you. The first question I kind of want to ask you is, I want you to tell us about your journey in that transition from your career in teaching to this life of entrepreneurship, because they're two, they're completely (laughs) different like spectrums, right? So I would love for you to tell us a little bit about that journey so people understand a little more of how that happened for you. Yeah. So sometimes when I hear entrepreneur stories, like they're like, oh yeah, you know, I was like always selling something in school. Like I'd all, like I'd make these bracelets and then I'd sell this. Like that wasn't really ever me. I think if I look back on my story, I think the consistency between the career paths that I've chosen and the one that I'm currently on is like, it's very passion led. So I think that that's Mm -hmm. the connective tissue there. I feel like I've always been really drawn to people and understanding people. And then on a more personal note, I grew up, so I'm mixed race, and I grew up in a predominantly white small town in Connecticut. So I feel like a big mission for me has always been representation and visibility. So whether that was something that I focused on when I was a middle school teacher or whether that's something that I'm focusing on as a photographer or a self-love coach, like I think that that is the common thread. So when I think back like through my career, I think it's always been very values focused. But yeah, should I dive in into Absolutely. like Please Okay. Please. <laughs> Please. Okay. So yeah. So let me think. So 
I've wanted to be a teacher actually since kindergarten. So to come to the realization that this lifelong, almost lifelong dream was completely burning me out was a really, really, really Mm -hmm. difficult realization. Mm -hmm. But it was one of those things that I couldn't see myself like when I forecasted my future, I just could not see myself continuing to burn myself out at that rate. Uh, Like I was I had started developing minor health problems. I feel like I was always visiting the doctor, like the stress was physically affecting me. Uh, And so I. It was one of those moments where like physical burnout was the sign for me, as opposed to like me really being in tune with myself. Unfortunately, it took physical symptoms to come to the surface for me to be like, okay, things are not okay here and I need to really evaluate my life. But yeah, that moment came to a head when it was midwinter break. I was teaching English, like English language arts, and I had hundreds and hundreds of essays to grade. And I was like, wait, people always say, like when they find out I'm a teacher, like people always say that they're so jealous of me because I get vacations and I'm always on breaks and doing this thing. And I was like, but here I am literally surrounded by hundreds of essays that I have to grade mm-hmm. and I'm not, you know, having the vacation that I want. Um, so it was a lot of like resentment, I think, of like me just like pouring into a lot of other cups and not being able to pour into my own. And I was like, OK, I need to reevaluate my life because this is not the life that I want to live. Like I want to pour into my cup first and then I feel like I can really help and pour into other people's cups but I, unfortunately, I just couldn't see myself doing that on the current like career path that I was on. Uh, and kudos to the teachers who can. Like I, I will like support teachers in, until the day I die. Like I think they have one of the hardest jobs ever. But mm-hmm. I personally just like could not see myself yeah. doing that long term. So I, yeah. So I originally was applying to nine to fives, <laughs> thinking that I could maybe go into that. But I, on the interviews, I was just like, there's no passion here. Like, I do not feel passion in any of these interviews whatsoever. And so around five friends, actually, when I was like venting to them around five, were like, well, you know, you've been doing photography like on the weekends and during the summers, like for these past couple of years. They're like, why don't you try doing that full time? And meanwhile, mind you, this was also midwinter break and all of this stuff during 2020. So my whole career transition happened in the midst of the the height of the pandemic. And so it was like uh, there were a lot of unknowns. And so entrepreneurship was just like yet another unknown. Uh, and the other thing with the timing was that I was never going to quit teaching in the middle of a school year. So that summer, it was kind of like, OK, do I, you know, or like before that school year ended, I actually had made my decision. But I was like, do I sign on for another school year knowing that like I will stay that entire school year or do I like make the jump now. Like it was kind of like a now or never situation. And I think that is kind of what helped me push me in the direction Mm -hmm. that I went. It didn't give me a lot of time to just kind of sit and ponder like some people who have a nine to five, they just kind of like, should I jump into entrepreneurship? Mm -hmm. Should I not? Like it kind of was like, okay, or never. (laughs) So it was like, okay, like, let's try it. Let's see. I mean, there's so many unknowns in the world right now. Like this is just another one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so yeah, that's how I dove into it. Wow, that's amazing. And <laughs> let me tell you, kudos to you, because in the middle of, of a pandemic, that is one of the scariest things to do. I can totally relate to you. My story is a little different. I got let go of a job, and so I didn't have a choice. I was just like, I'm doing this. So kudos to you for doing that. I love that you said, well, I don't love it, but 
it's the fact that you said that that burnout was the sign for you, right? Like the burnout was the sign, the physical, like feeling of just not feeling well was what pushed you. And it's crazy to me that on the outside, like you said, people think it's such a glamorous thing. Like you get these days off and these weeks off. And in reality, well, you're not really off because you're doing all these papers, you're doing all these things. And it's, it's so consuming, you know, and kudos again to you for doing that. And then that kind of goes into my second question about what was the most difficult thing that you had to adjust to in this career change, right? Because so much happened, pandemic, burnout, there was no passion. Like what, what was the most difficult thing out of all the things that you experienced during this career change? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I was a middle school teacher. I was surrounded by up to 120, you know, middle schoolers a day teaching different classes, not really around adults, right? I was mostly around kids. Like obviously I had coworkers, but like besides the occasional meeting, it was me and kids. And so it went from all of that busyness and chaos really (laughs) to like me being by myself and like starting my own business I had zero coworkers, right I at that point when I just started zero clients like it was just me and me that was it so I am a very introverted person and it was it was good but it was also like wait I'm not nearly as introverted as I thought I was because I am craving talking to people and craving seeing, I mean, everyone, well, most people were during the pandemic, right? Like it was a lot of isolation, but I was like really craving it. And I was like, okay, like I never realized that coworkers were that important to me or that like a workplace was that important to me and all of these things. But so, yeah, so it was really creating that on my own terms. Like, okay, so I get to now choose my coworkers. I was like, this is awesome. You know, like now I can choose whoever I want to be around and I don't need to be around like those people that I find annoying or, you know, like I get to choose and build that community. And like, same thing with clients. Like I can really work with people I love and I don't have to work with people who, you know, are, are not on the same page as me or like see things the same way I do. And so it was so much more aligned. So while it was really difficult to like curate that in the beginning, like the payoff was was really tremendous but yeah I would say like the most difficult thing was like in the beginning like building that community finding those those people to like turn to like those quote-unquote co-workers yeah and how and my question to you is how did you find this community like what things did you do to find this community because you said that you were a little bit of an introvert and so putting yourself out there if you are an introvert that's very difficult I I know yeah. people that are entrepreneurs and it's very difficult for them to just put themselves out there because they're introverts. So how did you find slash seek this community of coworkers that you, <laughs> that you now have, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think most introverts thrive on like one-to-one and not oh. necessarily group settings. So, I mean, yeah, it was during the pandemic, group settings weren't even happening. So like the network, the typical networking events that I would normally feel pressured to go to as an introvert, like that would stress me out, whatever, like that was off the table. So I actually had made a post in a Facebook group, Freelancing Females. I don't know if you've heard of it. And I was like, hey, like, I'm a I'm a new like entrepreneur. I'm a branding photographer looking to connect with people in like related fields. And then I listed a couple of different examples like web designers, social media managers. And then I forget I listed one more. 
And I had over 100 people respond saying that they wanted to talk with me. And I had phrased these as like coffee chats. I was like, like, just like, you know, like, let's connect, like, let's see where this could lead to. And some of those people I'm still friends with to this day. And which is crazy to think about. Yeah, yeah. And like those people then connected me to other people. And then even the people that I didn't stay connected with, they really helped me in articulating like who I was as an entrepreneur because I had I had like a couple of these meetings every week for a really, really long time. Like I didn't meet all like hundreds of these people who had responded to my post but like I went through and I was like oh this person would be cool to talk to but yeah I had meetings on meetings on meetings and like that got me really comfortable with like my quote-unquote elevator pitch or you know like just like talking to people about what I do because I had this thing where like I would always say that like I I'm a middle school teacher who just transitioned into da 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 because my my identity still so resonated with me being a teacher and so just like conversation after conversation after conversation I was like okay that isn't my identity anymore and I really need to like jump into this new identity and honestly those one-on-one conversations helped me do that wow so one thing that really stuck out to me was the identity thing I can totally relate to that (laughs) I was working at a law firm I want to say I was in that field for about eight years and when I transitioned it was so hard And also this comes from like an imposter syndrome, I think also like just not being able to identify with anything else other than what you had originally done. I did it for so long. I was like, oh yeah, I, you know, I work at a law firm and I do this on the side when it could have, it really should have been the opposite. Like, (laughs) well, this is my side gig and this is really what I do. So how did you let go of that identity? Like how, what, what was your... How did you navigate through that? Because that was really hard for me. And even I just kind of let that identity kind of go just two years ago. So it's still kind of new for me. And it's still very hard to tell people I am sitting more in my power, which is great. But it did take me a long time. So how did that transition happen for you? Like what things or tools or yeah, like how did you do it? Yeah, it's also interesting because I went from teaching, which for the most part, everyone supports. Like, wow, you're a teacher. Like, congrats. I could never do teaching. Wow, middle school? No way. Like, you know, I would get a lot of praise, a lot of support for the most part for being a teacher. It was a very, also everyone knows what teaching is. It's very easy. They understand it. They've been in school for 12 plus years, et cetera, et cetera. But then switching from such like a well-liked by society job that everyone is very familiar with to an artist was like, like I would start telling people and they're like, oh, and then sometimes the conversation would just die. Like, oh, cool. Wow. Done. Or like, oh, is that full time? Done. Like, you know, it's like, it's like, just like oh, the conversations would just sound so different. And I think right. that that's where a lot of my lack of confidence would come mm-hmm. from. Like, like making, like being an artist full time, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I still feel that. Like sometimes like when I meet someone new, it's like, it's like, I still feel those feelings come up. But I think the biggest shift for me was finding other artists who do this full time and who are successful at doing it full time and and they're confident in their ability to like make art their full time job and and like disrupting that narrative of like, oh, yeah, like, you know, artists like struggle to put food on the table kind of thing. 
mm-hmm. or like artists like live in their own world. You know, there's so many different yeah. types of stereotypes. And I feel like finding people who help disrupt that stereotype in real life and like being friends with them or colleagues with them. Yeah. I think that was like the biggest shift for me. I love that. I totally agree with you. When I started to kind of connect more with community of artists, I started to really identify as like an artist myself because you are really who you surround yourself with, Mm -hmm. right? So if you surround yourself by people that are unsure, then you may be unsure, you know? Like I can identify where when I first started, my family, even, and it comes from, you know, the closest people to you, it was hard for them to understand. They're like, what? Like, I just am, the conversation again, like you said, would stop. And yeah. so when I started to really put myself out there and connect with other people that were in the same space or had been in that space for a long time, that's when I started to really connect to what I was doing. So I would really recommend to the audience that's listening, connect with more people, more like-minded people, more people, more artists, if that's what you are aiming for, because I feel like you are who you surround yourself with. And yes, it is so uncomfortable to put yourself out there. It is not easy. We are not saying that it is easy, but if you do it, it, there's so many benefits from it. And yes, we still have that insecurity, but we're more confident when we're stepping into it. Yeah. And I think that also speaks to the power of representation too. Like, because if I see, especially artists of color, like if I see Mm -hmm. another photographer of color you know, and she's like kicking ass and like doing her thing and like being honest with who she is and showing up and doing all these great things. I'm like, whoa, that is such an inspiration, especially to see another artist of color doing that. And like that inspires me. And like the same, you know, so like I feel like the same thing even would happen during teaching. Like I feel like like representation teaching is also really important. So even just using that same modality and like switching it into a different field, I think is so is so powerful. And that's funny, well, that you say that you get inspired because I started following you and I was like, oh, my God, I love her work. I and then I remember I'm like, you know what? And it was so uncomfortable for me at the time. I was like, let me reach out to her to see if maybe she wants to meet and have some coffee. And you said yes. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like amazing. It just feels good to connect with like minded people because you just never know what you're gonna learn from them and what inspiration comes from them and you even connected me to Kita which has <laughs> connected me to so many right like people <laughs> you know like I did a podcast yesterday with someone and I'm in her Kita. like so it's just it goes to show like the power of community and what that can do and how inspiring that could be when you're just really not feeling your best or in your power so as uncomfortable as it is, I think it's such an important point. So I'm so glad that you brought that up and that this conversation kind of shifted into this because it is really important, especially when you are transitioning careers to start. Maybe you don't want to do it right away. Maybe it's scary, right? So you want to connect with people and start connecting with people slowly. I think that's a really good first step into the transition just to see one, what's out there, right? Connect with people that are doing the same things that you're doing and really just just not feeling alone in the process Mm -hmm. because really transitioning and even being an entrepreneur can get very, very lonely. 
I tell people all the time, it is not easy. It sounds glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> it's like being out of your own business. But you do so many things on the back end that sometimes you just need to feel connected to that community. And even asking questions, you know, like, hey, how did you do this? And people sharing that. And it's just so insightful to have that community. So I appreciate you sharing that. So I think it's a really good point in how people can really either transition or start that process. But my next question to you oh, is... Oh, can I just jump in and, and say something? Oh my God. Um, just please. like another like tip for the audience if they're like awesome. looking to network and stuff. Yeah. Something that I feel like sometimes people go into networking being like, oh my God, I have to like hand out my business card and impress mm -hmm. this person and that person. Mm -hmm. But like I would highly discourage like going into networking thinking of impressing people and really going yeah. into networking thinking like how can I be the most honest version of myself wow. so that the connections that I do make know the real me. Oh. Because like I connected with you and Kita so well so mm -hmm. fast because I feel like all of us brought the most honest version of yeah. ourselves but if I was like trying to impress you and trying to impress Keitha and like you were doing the same and she was doing the, like I don't know maybe that connection would have gone nowhere right. or would have been a fake you know right so that's like one tip that I would just suggest to the audience I love that you said that because when I first started my journey I always said okay I have to meet someone like I have to like you know ha again hand out my business card when <laughs> yeah. really it just it's about being authentic and you're going to connect with the people that you connect with. And it's about also learning from people and being so genuine about it. You know, being a student all the time when you're going into an event, for example, just like knowing that maybe you don't make one connection, but you learn something from someone that you never thought about yourself. So just going into it so authentically. I love that. I love, love, love. So point one, guys, community seek in that community and then when you are seeking that community be as authentic as possible and yes of course get your business cards like if somebody asks for it of course you're just going to hand it out but being authentic in that connection because again that's how Adeline and I met that's how I met Gita this like and just that authenticity allows people to really kind of connect with you on a deeper level where they, even if it's not businessy, they want to help you in other ways, right? So I love that you said that. And now that you've mentioned that, I want to transition into this question, which was very hard for me. So I would love to kind of hear what you and how you lived this experience. But what things did you have to actually unlearn during this process? Because for me, I just felt like, when I was transitioning, I didn't even know that I had to unlearn things. I, I wasn't even aware. Like, I just thought that, okay, I'm leaving this life. I have to like shift. And in reality, when I separated that, it was actually more difficult for me. It became more, what is the word that I'm looking for? It was just difficult. It was hard to just really connect, connect with my new life, I guess, quote unquote, right? and leave that behind. So what did you learn during this process of transitioning in your career? So I think my previous career was really, really structured. I would mm. pretty much always wake up at the same time every day. You know, like I yep. had like the same to-do list pretty much every day. Obviously, there were different things that happen each day. And that's what I really loved about the job. It was like the excitement of it. But in general, I had a very tight structure. And so I, you know, Obviously, I tried to implement some sort of structure into my new career, 
but to the severity I think that I had in my previous career. And then I realized like it was not working. Also, I was like, wait, am I intrinsically motivated? <laughs> like At some point in the beginning of my entrepreneurship journey, I was like, wait, have I always been extrinsically motivated? Because why not getting out of bed right now? <laughs> right. You know, and it was just like, okay, like I need to like find something that works for me. And like, mm. I think a soft menu of of like to-do list items makes the most sense for me. So like, mm. like, I don't know how to explain that really, but like I, I thrive off structure, mm. but flexible structure and having a menu of things that I can do to move my business forward and choosing from that menu, depending on my energy levels, depending how I'm feeling that day is I think what moves me forward. Because if I was like, okay, I'm going to be doing bookkeeping today, no matter what. And I didn't give myself that flexibility. I think I would burn myself out. And that is literally what I fled from. So I think that giving myself that grace and being like, okay, you know, like I'm not really in the headspace to do bookkeeping right now. Like I'm feeling much more creative today. Like, let me like plan a photo shoot. Let me try this thing. And like leaning into what my energy level, what my mental level, what my physical level is really telling me. Obviously, I can't do that for like photo shoots and stuff. Like, obviously, if I have a photo shoot, I'll do that photo shoot. Right. Like there are certain things that are on my calendar and will stay on my calendar. But if it's things that I'm doing on the back end of my business, mm -hmm. I do allow myself that grace to really try to like channel my energy into what feels the most appropriate mm -hmm. in that hour or in that day. Wow. Well, I love the flexible structure thing. I love that because I, for a very long time, struggled with that. So for me, I'm very structured. I mean, I worked at a law firm. Like, yeah. You, if you're not like banging out these cases, like it's you, right? You are the one that is helping this attorney, like getting shit done. And so I came from a very structured field. So when I left that, I had a really, like, a really, really hard time with flexible structure. I couldn't, like, I would beat myself up if. I had a to-do list and I didn't finish it. It was just like, all right, well, I'm a failure. And like my day was like not complete. And so I learned a couple of years down the line that, for example, having three things on your to-do list for the day and just like not overwhelming myself. Like I have to do this, 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 this. The three things. And like you said, feeling what your body feels that day. Of course, like if it's you're have a client, you're not going to be like, well, I'm not feeling it today, client. That's not what we need. But on the back end stuff, I started to realize like, you know what? Today I kind of feel like just creating posts, marketing posts for for my Instagram. Like that's what I'm feeling. I'm feeling a little creative. I'm feeling a little, you know, and just that also helps you connect to yourself more, which is the ironic part of all of this. Like it really allowed me to connect to my body and what it needed. Sometimes I was like, you know, I felt the stress in my body because I wasn't completing something and it would kind of bleed into my sleep. It would bleed into like my sleeping schedule. It would bleed into like my social aspects because I was not doing certain things because I was like, I can't go out. Like I have to do this. Like I just can't. Whereas like if I completed the one task towards my goal, towards my business, I think that was enough. You know what I mean? And I'm just getting into the groove of that, right? Because right now I'm in Atlanta working. I work, I'm doing a, a show and I need that flexible schedule because 
if I do one thing towards my business today and depends on what I'm feeling, then that's okay. It's okay to have that, I guess, that flexibility and I'm learning the the structure was very hard for me. Yeah, please. Yeah, I was going to actually relate it to like, like think if you're going on vacation, like there are different types of people who who like to, you know, schedule their vacation. Like they are like, there's like the one who has like the Excel spreadsheet with like 18 different tabs and da 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 And at 9 a.m. we're doing this. And 9.30 we're like going around the corner and then doing this thing, right? And that works for them. They thrive yeah. off that. I'm not that person. I'm the type of vacation person who will like do the research, know what I want to do and have like a menu of things mm -hmm. so that when I'm like, okay, what's the next thing? Or like, what do I feel like doing now? Like I have that to-do list. I have that that list of things mm. that I want to do, but I'm not on a super, super tight schedule where if I don't do it, I feel like a sense of failure in a way, Never. right? But I'm also not the type of vacation person who like goes in and kind of swings it. Like there yeah. are some business owners who do that. Like they just kind of like swing everything. And to me, that's not really my end of the spectrum either. But I think, yeah, like that flexible schedule piece, I think, is something that I really thrive off of. And and to to, to your point about the to-do list, I personally, what like, I like the top three too, but sometimes my mind is like, oh, I have to do this thing and this thing and Same. this thing. So yeah. in the morning, I write down all those things. Some mornings, it is three. The more, some mornings, I have 20 things on my bullet point mm -hmm. list. But then I go through and I number all of them, yeah. like one through three, one through 20, whatever amount there is, just so I have an order mm -hmm. uh, and I can go to that next thing. But then knowing that, yeah, I like I like the top three too. I actually yeah. do that as well. I so like knowing funny. that if I don't get to number four, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny that you say that because there are mornings where I'm like, like if I'm showing you right now, the audience can't see, but I have like a million things written <laughs> yeah. down. I'm like, I have like maybe 20, but from those 20, what are my top three important things? Like, what is it that needs to get done before anything else in order to move to the next step? Because, guys, baby steps are so important. I feel like we live in a world where we want things like this. And that was another struggle for me. I had to learn that I cannot have an entrepreneurial lifestyle, like life, like this. It takes all the baby steps to get there. And so for me, that's why the to-do list, having a million things is okay on my list. But what are the top three things? What three things am I doing today that are the most important, right? And allow me to kind of take me into the next step of the other million things that I have to do. So doing the three things, if I didn't do the fourth, I'm like, okay, it's okay. Like I, at least I did the, the top three and maybe... I don't know, the day's hectic and you can only do one big thing. And that's okay too. It's about, again, that flexible structure that you were talking about. I love that you called it that. Because I, yeah. <laughs> I, never, I never had a name for it. I never had a name for it until right now. So I mean, I, either until right now. <laughs> I just came up with that. I love that you said that. That's I love that. But yeah, it's, it's about really finding the things that are the most important before... We continue because we are our hardest critics. We really are. Like everybody, it, I, you talk nicer to your friends sometimes than you talk to yourself. And when you are doing the entrepreneurial thing, you need to find self-compassion because not every day is going to look the same. You know, I kind of wanted to ask you, this is kind of out of the questions, but I wanted to ask you, what do you do when you're having a bad day? 
as an entrepreneur mm. because I think it's really important. I know that entrepreneurs is just so like great, but what are we doing? We're not having a good day because they're not every. Listen, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to do anything. I just sleep or sit and do nothing. And if you don't move, your business doesn't move. So what do you do on your bad days? Yeah, that is so interesting that you asked that question because I literally have that question on my branding questionnaire that I send to um, my branding photo shoot clients, which I is such a that. random question, but I think it tells me about them so much yes. because everyone has bad days. Mm -hmm. And like the way I phrase the question is like how, like what makes you <clears throat> like get out of bed on a bad, like, you know, like what makes, what makes mm -hmm. you continue and stay motivated on a bad day? And for everyone, it's different. I think for, for me, like what ends up happening is like not fighting that feeling first I think is the first thing just because sometimes like you were saying like you can talk kind of mean to yourself sometimes if like you're not meeting the goal or the expectation that you set for yourself so just kind of like accepting like okay yeah today is definitely not the most productive or the best day to for me in the entrepreneur world right now and then for me personally going for walks like mm -hmm. uh I think that that helps me the most even when I'm feeling so like blah and tired and a walk is the last thing that I want to do it usually invigorates me enough and also just like the change of scenery I'm also mm -hmm. a big people watcher so just getting out of my own head because if mm -hmm. I stay in my own apartment and kind of like dwell on whatever it is I will just like kind of spiral so just kind of like externalizing that and like seeing myself as a part of a much larger system, a much larger yeah. community, a much larger, literally anything. <clears throat> and not, and, and it, it kind of helps me minimize my own worries, my own problems, my own bad thoughts, because I'm like, yeah. wow, the world is so much bigger than just me. And just like getting outside and going for a walk reminds me of that. Yeah, that's amazing. I also think, again, this goes back to getting to know yourself. Like when you have a bad day, what? things center you what makes you feel grounded what like what do you enjoy for example for me when I need to disconnect I love puzzles it's like the weirdest mm -hmm. thing but I love puzzles like I love grabbing in a cafecito and just like doing a puzzle and because it, you're just so focused on the pieces you're just like you're just kind of lost in it or I like to color or sometimes like you said I like being in nature like I'm a nature girl so sometimes like if I need a hike I will make that possible for myself if I really need it. So it's about identifying really we're all different people. So maybe a walk works for you, but maybe diving into a good TV show works for another person, you know? And like you said, really not like sitting in it and not trying to push that feeling away. I think it's such a powerful thing for people. And it's funny, we're talking about entrepreneurship, but at the same time, these are all things that people that what we've been talking about is a really great way of people to get to know themselves, their body, their emotion, what goes on in their head. So that's just I, I just think it's amazing that we have been touching up on this. And just for our final question, I wanted to ask you, what are three tips that you would give someone wanting to transition into entrepreneurship and to follow their passions? Like, what would you say are the top three things they should maybe do or how they should maybe organize themselves because some people are very like us they're very structured you need you need certain things to happen before you can dive into such a big life-changing decision yeah I think like it's so stereotypical 
like it's such a cliche, I mean, but like following your passions is so underrated because, for example, Mm -hmm. like when I was starting my business, I had a couple of slow seasons. It wasn't just like the winter slow season that every photographer kind of experiences. Like I would have another slow season and Mm -hmm. some random month or whatever. And if I was just in this for a different reason, like, like, I don't know, because I just wanted to be an entrepreneur and I didn't Mm. really like the photography world or Mm -hmm. if I just wanted to go into something just for the money reason or whatever. Mm. Right. A slow season Mm. would affect me so negatively. But because I went into this because I'm so passionate about empowering uh, women and empowering business owners and, and just like representation and visibility, like that kept me going. Yeah. So I think that if you are truly, truly passionate about what it is that you are becoming an entrepreneur for, like that is going to be enough, hopefully, right? Yeah. <laughs> to keep pushing you, even on like those slow seasons or those like terrible days, like you will always have that continued motivation. Yeah. And then going back to part of our conversation before, like I would say community over competition, which is another cliche. But yeah, just like like if I went into meeting other photographers or other coaches being like, oh, like I need to be better than them or I need to impress them or somehow like if it was like a competition type thing, I would not have the friends that I have. Like I'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure I would actually have like no friends. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like I'd probably just be like a lone little wolf over here. But I feel like 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 we said, like I was saying before, like being authentic, like at networking events, like, yeah, voicing my, my, the struggles in my own business. If mm-hmm. I kept those struggles to myself and I never talked to anybody about my struggles, I don't think I would be seen as someone who's really authentic and honest and there to build community. I feel like I would just feel like, yeah, I'm here to look like I'm the best and I have all my shit together and mm-hmm. no one has their shit together, you know? No so yeah. just being honest about that while building community. And then I think the third thing would just be experimenting is a good thing. And most things you can always change later. In the very beginning, I was frozen for a period of time. It got to this one point where I was like, oh, I feel like I have so many decisions that I have to make. And if I make one wrong one, then I'm going to make all of them wrong. And mm-hmm. I just like was on pause and mm-hmm. I was like, okay. I can undo most of these things if I need to. So let me just jump in and experiment with this thing. So I niched down into this thing. And then I was like, you know what? I actually really don't like niching down into this. So then I niched down into something else. And was it confusing to my audience? Probably. (laughs) But like if I hadn't experimented, that would be a disservice to myself. So it's kind of like weighing the pros and cons. And I feel like most times experimenting is always going to, in the long run, always going to lead you to something that feels more aligned. Yeah, I I love that. I love to experiment myself. I love it. I used to feel so insecure about it because, again, our society doesn't really support that. They feel like we should have our shit together just because we're adults. Like adults don't play anymore. They don't experiment because we're supposed to just have it all figured out for whatever reason. I I, I still don't know why that we need to have it all figured out by x age or whatever but i've always experimented and just lately in the last year i've been so proud of myself for experimenting in all these different things and all these different passions because they've kind of i always learned something from them i always meet someone from them i've always just gotten to know myself a little deeper by just experimenting so i love that you said that i love that You need to leave room to experiment. 
you just there just needs to be this playfulness in your journey also you need to be able to play and make mistakes and sure like you said you may have confused your audience i confused my audience a couple times <laughs> i know i have and that's okay like just understanding that not everything's going to be perfect because i am a recovering perfectionist i am still sometimes navigating through that but i've gotten so much better so just knowing yeah it's okay for people to just not understand it's fine as long as you understand your own journey and where you're going and why you want to try certain things, that's okay. Yeah. And also, if you think about it, by you experimenting, you are, yeah, you might be confusing the outside world, but you are making your inner world make sense. Yes. You know, and to what sacrifice do we want the outer world to always have things in order and be like, oh, yeah, this is what she does. As opposed to getting thrown a curveball, but it's like, okay, if I never threw my audience a curveball and switched niches or did this whole transformation of whatever mm-hmm. it is, then I would be the one who stays confused. And right. that, and like, and what's the point of that? You know, right. it's compared to a temporary confusion for everybody else. Right. And it's your life and life's so short and it's okay to experiment for certain things to not go right. The more you fail, and I've learned this, the more that you fail, the more you are learning. And society, again, has taught us that failure means you suck. It means that you are not good at whatever you are doing. When I now, when I fail, I'm like, oh, my God, thank God. Like, I learned something. (laughs) Like, this is great. It just, it means that I'm heading in the direction of learning. And I think we need to understand that we have to be students of life. And that's what life's about. It's about learning and learning and having fun and maybe kind of messing up from time to time and that's okay you don't there's just you don't have to be perfect so I really love the three points that you made I think they're they're so helpful in someone just really transitioning into their career to the first point that you made when I have seen off seasons oh my god like you can't even it was just but I would figure it out you know like if you have to take a side job so be it like there's no shame in the game if you have to have like a side job while maybe a part-time while you're figuring out your your life as an entrepreneur. There's, there's, you don't have to pick one, you know? Like, of course, the goal is to just be an entrepreneur. The, obviously, that is the goal. But in the meantime, if you have to, you know, work other jobs or do what you have to do in order to make this dream come true, there's no shame in the game, right? So, like, just make sure that you are building this passion of, not being afraid and just like not having shame and having to do these things. So I felt shame for a long time because I'm like, damn, like I just want to be a full time entrepreneur, right? I need to have a fucking job. Like, and even now I have a position that I love. But of course, like for me, my goal is to work for myself full time at all times. So no, we are wrapping up this incredible episode. But I did want, I asked my guests three questions at the end. So I'm like, are you ready? (laughs) I'm nervous. (laughs) So this feels like a game show. (laughs) I love that. Okay, so question number one. What's one word that describes the season that you're in right now? Reflective. Oh, I like that. Okay. Question number two. What piece of advice you want to leave behind if you had to leave the earth tonight? Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, yeah, 
I mean, I'm leaving the earth tonight. I would say like you only have one life, you know, like as far as we know, like you only have one life. And I think that I think that's I think that's why, like when the pandemic was happening and I was like, well, jumping into entrepreneurship, is just another unknown. Like I have one life. And I think that that pandemic honestly made me realize that even more so like, okay, Mm -hmm. I have one life and literally a pandemic is happening around me. Like if I'm not going to live my dream now, like when am I going to live my dream? When am I going to lean into my creativity and, and, and work for myself and like build my own schedule and all of that? So, yeah, just like reminding yourself like every day like you literally as far as we know have one life and Mm. how are you going to live it i love that that's great advice i love that you said that and question number three what's the worst advice you've ever received Ooh, that so to not make my business political but Mm. the uh, the whole reason why I am working for myself is so that I can be the truest version of myself. Mm-hmm. And so if that means that I'm taking a stance on gun control or if I'm taking a stance on Black Lives Matter or I'm taking a stance on whatever topic and like important to talk about and like imperative to talk about, like if I feel like saying something, I should be able to say something and not have that feel like that's a risk for my business but I remember certain people when I just started because it was around Black Lives Matter and so because like that was the whole timing of of when I had started and I remember there were some people who were like I don't know if you should be so outspoken on your on your Instagram story or like I don't know if you should be that political and I think they meant it in the kindest of ways I think they were quote-unquote looking for me but I was like if I can't make like like the personal, what if is it the what is it the personal is political or the political is personal? Either way, like they're all interconnected. Right. And and if if my mission is to have people be visible and feel empowered and showing up, if I can't do that on the most basic and fundamental levels of survival, then then what is my art? You know, like what is the point love of my that. art if if it's not even if it's not even that foundational? Yeah, I love that. Yes to that. I'm like clapping. Yeah, <laughs> yes to that. Yeah, because we do have to take a stand, and I think it is important. You know, as just humans, even if it is based on a business, to take a stand on what we believe in, and the right people and the right customers and the right clients are going to attract to you. You know, even if you do take a political stand on what you believe in. So thank you for saying that. Well, this wraps up our episode. I just want to say thank you so much again for hopping on. I really couldn't have picked a better person to talk about this. You are so inspiring and I love everything you do. I will be putting everything on the description part of the podcast, guys, so you guys can support Adeline. Follow her. She does really cool stuff. I love all her photography. <laughs> she was also my self-love coach for a couple of weeks. And that was just incredible. So you guys can connect with her. And Adeline, do you have any final words for anyone? Well, words for you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I feel like I'm so glad that you did that first initial reach out so that we mm-hmm. could have coffee. But yeah, I just I just love seeing where connections go. And I think that would be my final words to the audience, too, is just connect with people who yeah. you feel connected to and grow that. I love I just, that. I just, yeah, just community. <laughs> I love that. All right, guys. So I hope that this was very inspiring for you. And again, 
go support Adelari. She will be in the description of our podcast and tune into the next episode.